Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Come on. Let's go, man. I am fired up about that. I am fired up about the fact that we are jumping into Love the 50 Week. And in case you can't tell, I don't normally wear a jersey to preach with the number one on it. And I know that 90% of this room could care less that the Georgia Bulldogs defeated the number three Clemson Tigers yesterday. But I'm just telling you right now, it's been a long road for me, okay? It's been a very long road for me. It's been a... um, it's been a long, hard season as a Georgia Bulldog fan, 40 years without a uh, national championship. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I just believe deep in my heart, many of you from 4.30 to 8.30 yesterday were on your knees praying with me. And I, I also had just a deep confirmation in my spirit, and you can actually read this in the book of First Opinions, uh, chapter one, verse one, that God loves the Georgia Bulldogs more than any other team. In America. And uh, I, had a, I had a few people tell me, man, that was the most boring game I've ever seen. There was not a single offensive touchdown. But I was like, that's because you're not a fan. And you don't care about the Georgia Bulldogs. I was dying. Every, every moment of that game, I was on the edge of my seat dying. And so today, I'm preaching in a Georgia Bulldog jersey. And uh, praise God, they won yesterday. So... <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. I don't care. You all got to put up with it. I hope it's not too much of a distraction. We got some awesome stuff to talk about today. But uh, man, it's really good to be back with you guys. Definitely on the mend, feeling much better. The family is feeling better. It was uh, not a fun two-week journey for us kind of getting through COVID and uh, starting to, to definitely jump back into life and feel feel much better. But Man, what a crazy season. I feel like the past three weeks, just just being out and kind of watching what's been happening in the world and what we prayed about at the beginning of service that Pastor Dave led us in. So much heaviness, so much heartache, and there could not be, friends, there could not be a better time, a better time for us as a church for us to, to step into serving our community, to step into unleashing compassion up and down the 50 corridor with all these amazing opportunities. And so, friends, this is an all play for our church. This is everybody involved jumping in to serve. There's an opportunity for you and your family. And here's what this is at the end of the day. At the end of the day, this is what we believe as a church. God is pursuing people. There's a reason you're sitting here today. It's not by accident. There's a reason you're watching online from wherever you are right now. It's because the creator of the universe cares about you and is pursuing you, has been pursuing you from the day that you were born. And love the 50 week and all the projects we do throughout our entire year or an expression of God's pursuit of people. That's what it is. It's, an, it's, a, it's a tangible, physical expression of the cross on earth of God saying, I'm going after people. And I want you to join me in my pursuit of people and souls and lives. I want them to feel my love for them. 
And, and I know this, I think we all know this, deep down in our soul, we realize this. People don't care what you or me have to say until they know how much we care. Amen? And in this world today especially, I'm just gonna be real with all of us, we live in a post-Christian culture. Post-Christian a lot of people in America would say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I grew up in a Christian home, whatever that may mean for them, but they're not actively following Jesus. And the majority of America, let me just you know, break the news for you, friends. The majority of America woke up today and they did not think to themselves, man, I need to go to church. I should go to church today. That's not on most people's minds. That's not even on their radar. When they're facing troubles in life, they're not immediately thinking, wow, church is a place I should go for help. Church is the place that I should go to find healing and wholeness and restoration. Man, I need the gospel. It's not on their minds. That's what it looks like to live in a post-Christian world. Most of the people you know outside of church don't feel necessarily like something is missing from their life because they're not involved in church, because they don't have an active walk with Jesus or faith. And so our goal, our mission as a church is to be a city on a hill, a light on a hill that can't be hidden, that our good works may be seen and that people may see, wow, there's, there's a hope that they have. There's a joy that they have. There's some sort of healing or restoration or wholeness that they have that I want, that my marriage needs, that my life needs, that my soul needs. And friends, this is who we're called to be. And I, I thought about this because I don't know if any, you know, if you lead anything right now in life, a business or a company or any organization, Trying to plan, anybody with me on this? Trying to plan more than two weeks in advance for the past year and a half is maddening. Amen, anybody, right? The moment you put something on a calendar, you like have to erase it two weeks later and be like, oh, that's not gonna work. Well, this happened again or that happened or whatever it is, right? And I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about the fact that, man, we had this big celebration planned, <coughs> excuse me, for this next Sunday, our 25-year celebration. And I'm like, okay, um, just thank you again for being flexible. We're gonna have to push it back again. I mean, hey, we pushed it back a year and a half. What's a few more weeks, okay? And so the, the reality is this. We have people still living in Building B and in our parking lot. And we've had over 100 people take use of the Red Cross Center on our property over the past two weeks. Over 100 people at different times, we've had upwards of 60 people living in cots in the gym or living in RVs or tents in our parking lot as evacuees. Now, there were moments in my flesh as a fallen sinful person that I was like, Lord, why now? <laughs> like, come on, we had all these great plans for the fall. Jesus, don't you see all of our plans? And he's like, well, actually, I've got a plan for you. I've got a different plan for you guys and for your church. And who would have imagined that 25 years ago when they planted Rolling Hills Church that suddenly it would have two buildings and a building big enough to hold evacuees from a fire that would be barreling down our backyard. 
I mean, that is amazing to think about. I thought, man, that's who we are. This is who we're called to be. This isn't an inconvenience. This isn't a, a, you know, a thing where, man, oh gosh, our plans have been messed up. This is what it's all about, friends, amen? It's about being salt and light in the earth. And I said, man, what better way to celebrate our 25-year anniversary than opening up our doors and saying, guess what? God's for you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. And there's a group of Jesus people over here that say, come, stay with us. Come, let, let us help you in any way that we can. And so friends, what we're gonna do, <laughs> pencil it in. Don't like put it in permanent ink. <laughs> October 3rd, okay? October 3rd, because we are, we are not asking the Red Cross to leave. We, more and more people are able to go back to their homes um, about 70% of people are now back in their homes up the hill. And so we still have uh, several dozen people that are living here. And we're not going to ask them to leave. But obviously, we, we can't do kids ministry. We, um, we can't, you know, do a lot of the things that we had planned. So we're going to wait until all the help that is needed that we can offer as a church is finished. And then, Lord willing, on October 3rd, we're going to have a combination 25-year anniversary celebration, relaunch of our church, and a big fall festival. And that's important. We need this time as a church to come together, to celebrate together, to enjoy one another, to share some good food. So be waiting for more information about that. October 3rd, pencil it in, Lord willing. And um, yeah, are we good with that? Okay, Amen. So, whoo, here we go. I, I'm so excited, man. This, this past year and a half, it's been wild. It's been crazy for all of us. We know that. It's the most redundant thing ever for anybody to say. It's been an unprecedented year. How many times have you heard that? Too many, too many times. But I, I do believe this. I believe God hit the reset button on a lot of things, but especially the church in America, especially the church in America. He said, look, we're gonna get back to what it means to be salt and light on the earth. We're gonna get back to what it means to be the church, not just to come and consume church or show up at church on Sunday. We're gonna get back to what it means to live this thing and walk this thing out. And we're heading into a series this week, kicking off, called The Next 25. And this church, I mean, has an amazing, beautiful legacy from the first 25 years. God has done incredible things. Thousands of people have found Christ. Thousands of people have been baptized. Thousands of people have experienced the love of God in and through this church. And I thought about it. I said, man, how many, how many sacrifices were actually made over 25 years? Years. If I had to rewind the clock, if we're looking forward to the next 25, Lord, what is it going to look like for us to be the church for the next 25 years? What is it going to look like for us, Jesus, to reach, our, to reach our community, to reach the 50 corridor and beyond for the next 25 years? Because the church is entrusted. You are the church. You're entrusted with the message of life with the message of the gospel, with the message of Jesus. You're a carrier. You're what Peter calls a living stone in this building that God is building called the church. And you're entrusted wherever you go to be an agent of healing, of life, of encouragement, of truth, of gospel-centered living. That's who you're called to be wherever you are. 
I said, okay, Lord, the church is going to look different than it did 25 years ago. Because 25 years ago, if, if I got this right, I don't even think the internet was around. Social media wasn't around. The world has changed a little bit in the last 25 years. So how do we, as the church, continue to bring a timeless message a message that will never change, the message of grace and truth presented in the gospel to a culture and a world that is always changing, all the time. That's our challenge. That's our challenge as a church. How do we become agents, missionaries to the world around us? And I thought about this. I thought, man, the church has to constantly be thinking, how do we become not just relevant and relatable without losing the truth of who we are, but how do we reach the place where God has put us? I think one of the main strategies is what we're doing with Love the 50. Because people don't care how much you know or what you have to say until they know how much you care. That's one of the main strategies. But the other one is this. It's you. You being the church. You using your influence, opening your mouth, sharing your story sharing the gospel with the people that God has put in your life. You are called to be a physical representation of God's pursuit of the people that he's put in your life. Your neighbors, your family, your friends, the people that you coach Little League with, the people that you work with, people you go to school with. You're the salt and the light of the world right there. I can't do it all. Nobody on this team can do it all. It has to be you being the church. And that's what Peter says. I love this amazing verse. He says in 1 Peter 2, 4 to 9, it says, as you come to him, a living stone, this is Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built by God. Think about this, living stones, not super flattering, amen, somebody, you're a rock, you're a living rock, um, being built by God into his spiritual house. So wherever you are, this, this reality of the house of God is spreading to the ends of the earth through living stones, and this is where God lives. This is God's home. You are God's home. You are God's voice. You are God's representative to your sphere of influence. His spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. To be salt and light in the world. This is who we are called to be as the church. And it's amazing as I I had just this awesome opportunity to, to sit down and talk with our, our founding pastor, um, Jeff and, Jer and his wife, Jerry, not long ago. We had a vision night several weeks back. It feels like a year ago already um, where hundreds of people, hundreds of you came and you signed the walls behind the, uh, the sound panels here and said, I'm in for the next 25. I'm in for the years ahead. But I was, I was asking Jeff, I said, Jeff, in order for us to understand the next 25, I wanna hear about the sacrifices I want to hear about what happened for the first 25. The first seven years specifically where you all didn't own a building. There was no building B. There was no land, right? There was no physical location. And he said, man, it was crazy. It was amazing because the whole thing was basically run by volunteers, we had church in a box. We had literally a trailer that was full of chairs. 
Do you know where this church started? If you want to hear a miracle, this is a miracle right here. This church started in the wrestling room at Oak Ridge High School. Just imagine the smell, right? Just, I mean, just how welcoming of a location, right? The wrestling room in Oak Ridge High School. And there was a whole team of people that showed up on day one to set up chairs, to set up a, a sound system, to volunteer as welcome people, to volunteer as kids ministry volunteers, to, to make it a, a welcoming place. I asked him, I said, man, what, what were the different you know, volunteer positions that you guys had in those early days? And he said, man, we were setting up environments for kids ministries. We had worship team that was completely volunteers. Sound and production team were volunteers, parking teams, welcome teams. Friends, there was a skit team. I think we should bring skits back. Anybody want to sign up for the skit team? Let's just like go for this thing, okay? Let's go. Um, there was sewing ministry. There were care teams, prayer teams, small group leaders. The whole thing was built by people that were just like, I'm in. I want to be a living stone that helps create space for the presence of God to impact people's lives. And I thought about this. I said, okay, I'm going to do a little math around the first seven years, okay? Think about this, 1995 to 2007. There were 753 Sunday services because they, they often did multiple, sometimes two up to three services a week, especially when they were in the smaller locations in the early days. About 115 volunteers per week. If you think about setup crew, teardown crew, small group volunteers, kids volunteers, youth volunteers, about 115 volunteers per week on average as the church began to grow, especially towards 2000 and the 2000s. And we were trying to break it down per volunteer. It's about 21 hours a week, okay? 21 hours a week of just volunteer service. Now, that's not per person. That's just what was needed to basically pull off from multiple different people a Sunday morning service, okay? Now, if you break that down, you have 115 people serving every single week. You have 2,414 hours of service per week. This is from volunteers leading small groups. And if you've ever led a small group, you know, man, it's about a two-hour commitment. If you have people over to your house, you're getting your house ready. You show up really, if you think about the Sunday morning teams, it was a kid's team where you've shown up early, you're getting the kid's environment ready, you're having to think through what you're gonna teach the kids that day. Same with youth volunteers. Now, you multiply that by 364 weeks. So not just Sunday services, 364 weeks for these seven years. And you end up with this, 878,000 hours of sacrificial service. 878,000 hours of service in the first seven years of this church you know what that sounds like to me? First Peter, living stones, a house of God. People saying, I'm all in. This isn't about me. It's about the people that haven't heard about Jesus yet. And God has sustained this church in remarkable ways. And Jesus will continue to sustain this church because he's the one building it. He will continue to sustain this. But friends, he's calling you to enlist, to get out of the bleachers metaphorically and get on the field. I mean, there are literally, if you look at the whole 27 year history of our church now, millions of hours that have been served by people. 
literally millions of hours that have been served. If you even look at it like this, in the first seven years, you had 800,000 plus hours served, $5 million given to the mission, land was purchased, and it was a church that was gonna begin for generations. A church that would last for generations. Book of Nehemiah has been really close to my heart in this season. And Nehemiah 3, there's this amazing passage. It's probably the worst passage for a pastor to try and read, but a lot of weird names. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for him and we get through it. Here's what it says. Nehemiah 3. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild the wall. If you remember Nehemiah, it was a rebuilding process. They had to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. They started with the wall. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated. So you have priests who are laying stones and building the wall. These guys weren't trained to do this. This wasn't their job. They just said, what do you need? I'll show up and I'll lay bricks and build the wall. They went all the way to the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them. And beyond them was Zakur, the son of Imri. Next was Uziel, the son of, yeah, a goldsmith by trade. He's a goldsmith and he's laying bricks. Who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. He's laying brick and working on the wall. Rephaniah, son of Hur, the governor of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next to Jediah, son of Harumoth, <laughs> repaired the wall across from his own house. And next to him was Hattush, the son of, yes, whatever. This is the reality. None of these people were wall builders. None of them. They just said, what do you need? We're all in for the mission. We're all in to rebuild the city so that the people of God can have a place to gather again. And friends, we're in a season right now where we need you to help us lay bricks. Come on, somebody. We need you to step in and say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna serve on a Love the 50 project. We're gonna jump back into kids ministry and or maybe jump in for the first time. We need people that are gonna say, look, I'm going to serve. Jump in to help lead a small group. Jump in to help lead um, and serve in our youth ministry because, friends, the church, and, and I believe this to the core of my being, the church is not built by the gifts of a few, but by the sacrifices of many. The church is not built by the gifts of a few people. It's built on the sacrifices of many, of you being the church. In verse five in Nehemiah three, there's this tragic statement, tragic. It says this, next were the people from Tekoa, though their nobles refused to stoop and work with the others. All of these Israelites coming together to rebuild the wall, it wasn't their job, it wasn't what they were trained in, it wasn't what they were good at. And there was one group that's like, no, I'm above that. I'm not gonna stoop to lay bricks. I'm not gonna serve in that way. I'm a noble from Tekoa. And friends, may, may that never be said of us. May we never be. Jesus Christ, God himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. 
And so friends, if you, look, if you're, if you're visiting for the first time, if you don't know Jesus, if, if you're just checking out church, come on, you're welcome. Enjoy it. We want you here. We want you here every week. We want this to be a place where, where you can come and explore the claims of Christianity. But friends, if you've been coming to this church for a while, if you've been a Christian and walking with Jesus for a long time, and this goes for everybody watching online, and you have not served through your time, your talent, or your treasure, through your generosity, or your effort, or, or any of that yet, the time is now. The time is now for you to step in because you will not grow. You will be stagnant in your faith until you begin to step in and serve others. That's the way Jesus designed it. You will not become who you're called to be in Christ alone with your Bible and your quiet time. Although that's important. You have to step into other people's lives with a heart to serve them. Amen, anybody. This is who, friends, we are called to be as a church. Next 25, thinking about this, Jesus is always gonna be our lead story. Think about the, the first commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're gonna point people to Jesus. For the 50 is an expression of our mission and our vision. Loving others, love God, love others. And here's the other one, and this is something that we just learned over the past year and a half. Every church needs to rethink where their front door is. Because <laughs> 25 years ago, when people showed up to the wrestling room at Oak Ridge High School, you know where the front door of the church was? It was right there on the side of the wrestling room. The first time the, where you met people was right there at the door, at the physical door of the building. But today, just let you all in on this, and maybe this is you and your story, do you know where the front door is? It's on the internet. Do you know how many People watch our church before they actually step inside of our door. People on average, statistics from Barna have shown us this, people are, are doing exactly what you do when you go to a new city and you're looking for a restaurant. What do you do? You get on Yelp or Google and you look up reviews. You're looking for, where do I go? And the same thing is happening with us. Three to five times they will watch online before they ever step foot in the door. So the new front door is social media, it's the internet, it is not the parking lot, it's not the actual doors of this building, it is far beyond that. And so as a church, as we're thinking about the future and how do we connect with as many people as possible, we need to make sure our front door is very easily findable. Because if they can't find our front door, they're never going to hear about the message that we have. And this is a side door. It's a big side door. Love the 50, all these sort of things. But the big door where everyone is, is the internet. It's how many of you, how many of the new people that found us during the pandemic discovered us was through YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. So... In the middle of this, the board, myself, our pastoral leadership team, we got together and said, okay, we need to hire somebody to help us figure out if our front door is big enough. And so we hired a company that specializes in people finding you on Google and websites and all these sort of things. And they said, okay, we've, we've got some news for you. We said, all right, lay it on us. It's very simple. I'll just dumb it down. They said, it's very hard for people to find your front door. 
<laughs> I said, okay, explain. They're like, well, over the past, you know, 10 years or so, you have had seven different web addresses for your church, seven different URLs, unique URLs over the past 10 years. Right now, on Instagram, you are called Roll Hill Church. And when people show up at your uh, building, it says Rolling Hills Christian Church. That's a little confusing. If people find you on YouTube where it says Roll Hill Church, they will then Google you, Roll Hill Church, and they're taken to either a church in Tennessee or one in Oregon. That's not our front door, friends. Tennessee and Oregon is not where we are. And so we said, okay, what do we do? Help us, because here's, here's, the end, here's the deal at the end of the day. We as a church exist for those outside of the church. We as a church exist that those people may find us. We need to make sure the front door is easily discoverable, easily discoverable by everyone. And they said, here's what we think you should do. We think you should simplify your name. Start over. You have so many different names from your physical building to your online presence have one cohesive name from beginning to end. And so we prayed about it as a board, as a leadership team. We said, look, we have no problem with our name, but here's what we do know. This is what we do know. If the name doesn't help the mission, then it's time to change the name then it's time for us to shift because the name on the door, friends, doesn't matter. (laughs) Nobody picks a church based on the name. They pick it based on the people, on the mission, on what we're about. But if the name doesn't help us, we gotta transition it. And so we have decided to just shorten it, (laughs) to honor the past, but also to look to the future. And so we, beginning tomorrow, praise God, here we go, our Hills Church, this is who we are. (laughs) And the whole idea around this, and this is gonna begin to transition over the next month as we work with this company to help us. And if you're wondering what is that symbol in the front, it's just a lowercase h. And that, that little symbol right there, the reason we liked it is because it can be used as a container for different things. So we can use it in a lot of different ways for baptisms or welcome to church or you know, men's ministry or whatever it is. So it's versatile. We can use it in a lot of different ways. But I, I was talking to, um, to Pastor Jeff about this. And I said, Jeff, what do you think? Because man, I, I respect you. I love this church. I, I know at the end of the day, it's the mission. It's not about the name. It is who we are as a people. The people are the church. But man, we've got an issue. We've got to help people find us because the, new, the world has changed over the past 27 years and now people are finding us online. And he just had some amazing things to say. And I want you to hear this. There's a quick video from Pastor Jeff and his wife, Jerry. One of the big things that we're doing in this season, which... I called you and talked to you about this kind of in the process of it is we are going to be transitioning the name of the church, not changing the name, but transitioning it to Hills Church. And there's, you know, there's different reasons behind that. We have a little bit of brand confusion with our online name is different than our physical name. And, you know, there's there's reasons behind that. But in my heart, there there are big reasons around, hey, part of why we're doing this is we really want to be known for who we are. And one of the verses that I've heard from day one since I've been here comes from Matthew 5, where, where Jesus says, you are a city on a hill. You are a light on a hill that cannot be, had, 
be hidden. And as you do good works, as you live this thing out, people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so that word hill is important to me. We, we're in El Dorado Hills, but we're also, we want to be a city on a hill where people see who we are as people and they, they see a reflection of Christ. They see a reflection of what God is like. And then the other one is Psalm 121, where it talks about, the psalmist says, I look to the hills where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. And that whole idea of us being a church that is known for the way that we help the community, that we reach out to the community, serve teachers and first responders and those in need right, right in our backyard. But as I was chatting with you about this name transition, you, you shared some thoughts that I thought were so helpful and encouraging for me, but I, I'd love for you to share a little bit around that. Well, thanks. Uh... You know, no matter the name, the mission is the same. And to encourage you and everyone at the church, um, the challenge of Christianity has always been to take a message that never changes to a world that constantly changes. That's our challenge. And that's been the challenge since the church in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. I used to use uh, the illustration of the Wheaties box. (laughs) When I was a kid, the Wheaties box had people like Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays on it. Uh, now it probably has Steph Curry or Simone Biles or somebody. And the box looks different and the people aren't, but the contents, the Wheaties are still the same. Yeah. And the message is the same, but how we present it changes all the time. And that's our challenge, to take that never-changing message to a world that's constantly changing. That's right. And I think the church thrives in times of challenge and opposition. And I hope this is one of those times, having gone through the changes we've been through the last couple of years yeah. in our society here in, in the United States, the church thrives when those challenges rise up and that that's where we get to take that message of hope. You know, the clearest, um, the clearest mission statement, you know, it doesn't matter the name, the mission is the same. And the clearest mission statement of Jesus, I think, is in Luke 19.10, where Jesus said of himself, he said, the Son of Man came to seek, that, to seek and to save that which was lost. And if that's what Jesus did when he was here in the body... The church is now the body of Christ. Yeah. That's our mission. That's it. To seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah. Amen. So the cover of the weedy box is going to change a little bit. And that's all it is. The mission stays the same. And as we think about the days ahead, friends, I so resonate with what Pastor Jeff said. He said, ma'am, the church thrives in seasons of adversity. This is where we shine the brightest. This is where we have the opportunity to be salt and light in the world, to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden by opening up our doors for those in need, by showing the compassion of Christ. And it says in Matthew 5, and this this verse is such a keystone verse for us, says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works Love the 50-week, how you live around others, and glorify your Father in heaven. 
We're called to be salt and light in the world. And as we think about the next 25, this, friends, is who we are going to be. And we're not going to back down from the mission of being salt and light in the earth. But the other things that COVID taught us, and I'm, I'm closing with this so the band can come back out. Closing with this. Is not only is the front door different now, so we need to make a front door online that is accessible and reachable by as many as possible, especially thinking about the fact that 30,000 people are moving into our backyard and they're going to be typing into Google churches near me. But the other thing is this, we need to build community. We need to be connected to one another. We need to help families and marriages get through these difficult days. I believe as a church, we're called to lean into families in the next generation, but we want to help every age, every demographic find meaningful life-giving community at this church. That's what we're going to be working towards in the days ahead. And we're also going to be working towards how do we reach our community? And something that you're going to be hearing about more in the days ahead as we think towards the next 25 is we're going to begin to raise some money for something that we think is going to help us not just say we love you to our town, but we think it's going to be an amazing use of our property. And we want to transform the lower lot, which is currently a barren wasteland. Not sure if you've seen it recently. Good for nothing, but it's actually massive. And we're going to throw this up here on the side screen. You can fit a full-size football field down there to train future Georgia Bulldog All-Stars. Multi-use sports field. This could literally be lacrosse field, soccer field, whatever. It doesn't have to be a football field. But we have a ton of space down there that is completely unused. You can put volleyball courts. You can put pickleball, basketball, children's playground. And this can be a gift to the community, which is desperately in need of more sports fields. And can you imagine four or five nights a week families from our community coming to a church to watch their kids play sports. Can you imagine this um, when we throw Camp X or Youth X in the summer times, actually having a field for our kids in the next generation to play on instead of a parking lot, which is where they're at right now in the parking lot. This right here would be not just a gift to the community that says, hey, Hills Community Park, we love you, we're for you. But man, we want to tangibly just give you a gift as a church and say, come to our place and practice. Come to our place and find, find community. Come here. And we can use this as a church. It can be a gift to the community. But the other thing that we want to do is in our upper lot here, and you'll be able to see this clearer on the side screen, we want to connect building B with building A. And right now, this, this parking circle in the middle is almost completely unused. And we've realized in this season, man, again, these are not official plans. This is just us dreaming for the future. When, when people drive up to our church, we want them to see something that's like, man, I'm home. Or that causes them to linger and meet one another and build community and be open for indoor and outdoor use throughout the week as another place for people to gather. As we are thinking about the kids building, we want to build a place using building B where, man, kids walk in the doors and they're like, I can't wait to come back next week. And we want to, we want to have a youth center too also in the multi-purpose room where high school and middle school students come and they're like, man, this place is incredible. This place is, is ready for me. It can be used by any group in our church, CR, men's, women's. It's, it'll still remain a multi-purpose room, but our, our goal would also be to really 
put a second story mezzanine inside of there where students can hang out, couches, ping pong tables, whatever, and they can have fun and connect. And so as we're thinking about the next 25, we're thinking about, man, how do we become that city on a hill for our community, for the next generation, for every generation represented? We're a multi-generational church where we want people to be connected and to, to be salt and light in the earth. And friends, this is where we're heading. And this is not a capital campaign moment. We're not raising money right now. We are still getting bids and making plans for this. But friends, this is a time for not the church to pull back, but to hit the gas and say, it's time for us to be salt and light. It's time for us to get off the bleachers, to get on the field, Lord Lord willing, literally the field in our lower parking lot one day, but also just into, into what God is calling us into in this season. Amen? Friends, I'm excited about the days ahead. I'm I'm grateful for you. This is a season where your generosity means the world to us. So please continue to give generously towards the mission of this church. And friends, let's pray. Our world needs a message of the gospel right now more than ever before. And this is a chance for us to step in, step up and say, for the next 25, we are going to make an impact for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're gonna close with a moment of communion. I know church has been like longer the last several weeks, but it's okay, we're gonna make it. This is why we do this because of the grace of God that was given to us in Jesus Christ. And so as you take this moment of communion and you remember the blood that was spilt for you, the body that was broken for you in Jesus Christ, begin to ask him, Lord, make me a light wherever I am. Make me a light, Lord, wherever I am. We thank you, Jesus, for your broken body and your spilled blood. And we we pray, Lord, for the next 25 years of this church. We pray, Lord, that you would use us in a way that is beyond anything we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.